This is the Business of Apps podcast, bringing you actionable insights from the leaders of the global app industry and the world's fastest growing apps. You can find more app news, data and analysis over at businessofapps.com. Welcome to the Business of Apps podcast. On this show, we invite app industry professionals to cover various topics. We promise to do our best to keep it both insightful, but brief. In this episode, we have Corey Gold, Senior Director of Corporate Communications at Airship. Corey, welcome to the Business of Apps podcast. Thank you very much, Art. Great to join you. Awesome. It's great to have you on the show. We had a little, we had a little bit of a break on the show for the last couple of weeks of August. It was pretty rough to find somebody to record an episode with. People were catching up final weeks of a summer break, but we're back. So uh, let me set the stage first a little bit. So think about it. From the time you wake up in the morning to the moment you fall asleep at night, you use tools. Please don't picture necessarily a hammer or screwdriver as a tool. I mean tools in a broader sense. Means that help you to do tasks, small and big. Create a reminder, set a timer, calculate something, get up in the morning in time, and so on. And of course, a big part of that toolbox you take your tools from are mobile apps. Now, your experience uh, of using those apps is a function of how much energy and brainstorming was put in those apps by their developers. In this episode, Corey will be talking about Airship's brand new survey that talks about how much effort goes or should go into a mobile app experience development. But first, uh, before we jump on the brand new survey, could you talk a bit, a little bit about yourself, Corey? Yeah, no problem. Um, yeah, I've had a very long career in high-tech public relations, um, pretty much starting with the advent of the commercial web. Um, so I worked on a lot of different projects from Nintendo's Virtual Boy, which was basically like Oculus on tripods and only <laughs> look like red little lasers, uh, to other things like B2B marketplaces. Um, and then starting in about 1998, um, I started to develop out a specialization in online marketing and then what would later become MarTech. Um, I helped create the web analytics industry, doing work with web trends for several years. And then I moved over to Edelman, uh, one of the world's largest PR firms. And I led their technology practice at Portland, working for clients like Axiom, ad tech conferences, uh, ClickFox. And now for the last decade, I've helped evangelize the power of mobile apps um, and the types of highly contextual interactions and ex uh, streamlined experiences that they offer uh, at Airship. Oh, nice, late 90s, before Google, late years, uh, sorry, gold years of Yahoo. Not many people remember those days. And Yeah, Ask Jeeves and um, you know Jeeves. Netscape right <laughs> yeah exactly netscape the war between microsoft and netscape who remember this stuff these days uh yeah it was a while back then okay we had our ship last year but for people who didn't listen to that episode uh could you tell a little bit about what our ship is today yeah yeah i mean you know many many people may may know uh our original name, which was Urban Airship. We were founded in 2009 um, and powered the very first uh, push notification for a third-party app at the time. 
which was uh, Tap Tap Revenge. Um, and since then, we've really expanded out to cover all the re-engagement channels, whether it's in-app messaging, mobile wallet, SMS, email. We've uh, added new functionality like app UX experimentation um, through, through our optimized acquisition. Um, most recently, we have added the capability for app store optimization, um, acquiring one of the original pioneers and leaders, Gummy Cube. Um, and now we, we've got a platform that uh, goes far beyond just simple cross-channel uh, communication orchestration, right? To really enable all um, business users to create and adapt no-code native app experiences on their own without any developer support or app updates. Um, and that really allows the whole team that's, in, that's really responsible for an app to more easily onboard app audiences, build out their first party and zero party data collection, and really accelerate their overall monetization uh, goals through, through a data-led approach. Awesome. By the way, uh, I know uh, many folks from GamiCube in person. It's great to have their team part of your team now. That's a great addition. Now, Let's talk about your 2022 mobile app experiences gap survey and what it has to reveal about mobile experiences or how we just call them max. I hope it's not Mad Max. <laughs> it could be for the, some companies. <laughs> what are the general findings of that survey? Yeah, you know, I think, uh, you know, just as some background, right, we've seen a lot of industry research. We've seen a We've seen a lot of companies' earnings reports really showing the, the exponential value that apps deliver to their business, right? One, one, uh, one uh, industry outlet basically said app users produce three and a half times more revenue than other shoppers and are three times more likely to make a repeat purchase. Um, but we know that apps are expensive to build, expensive to maintain, expensive to promote, and that many companies have really failed to realize the full business potential. Um, and we know this simply by looking at, you know, global app download rates, right? They continue to grow every single year, mm -hmm. but app retention rates have barely budged for the last three years. So we really wanted to understand, you know, why are companies struggling to optimize mobile app experiences? And so we surveyed uh, both technical teams, which could include engineering or IT, which we refer to as developers, as well as non-technical teams, which tend to include marketers and mobile product owners, to really understand where are they running into gaps. And we, and we found that there are seven key operational areas that span the entire mobile app experience lifecycle, where there are uh, some challenges, right, that all company, companies of all sizes are, 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 are challenged with. Um, in particular, we found that enterprise companies, the largest companies, tend to be at a time to value disadvantage across the entire mobile app experience lifecycle, right? And um, likely that's due to a lot of different reasons, but uh, you know, they, they have more complex businesses, they have more organizational layers, they have longer approval cycles, a lot of things that can slow down um, optimizing these types of of app experiences. Yeah, so uh, let's cover these seven gaps. Uh, before we do that, like my overall feeling about the whole set was that 
It feels like uh, because they're kind of equally important, equally important to have on the radar, like the paramount task to make sure the team is capable to pay attention to all seven and not letting any of those being dropped from the radar on the weekly, daily basis. Like um, there's gotta be an optimal uh, workflow, the whole team to pay equal attention and remember that all of the seven are important to make your app a success, to see your beloved numbers of downloads going up and the retention doesn't drop and you actually achieving your business goals. You have a general, general revenue and you see your customers not embedding your app. So let's start with a gap number one, which is ASO, kind of a surprise to me because abstract optimization, like you've said, GammaCube was one of the pioneers. So they, they would totally testify that that was kind of a number one, the first step marketing techniques that was developed years ago. So why to this day, it's not uh, something that are people, people are, are failing with? What brands uh, are missing about ASO? Want to improve your app marketing skills? Now how to fight back mobile fraud? Or how to launch an influencer marketing campaign? You've got it all at the Business of Apps Insights. Opinion, how-tos, thought leadership, and analysis from global app and social media industry. Visit our insights section at businessofapps.com slash insights slash podcast. And now, back to the show. Yeah, if you really if you really think about ASO, it's really sort of the first step in in any sort of app app success, right? They people need to be able to find an app, um, and ideally not just find it, but download it and then open it and use it, right? And so I think one thing that's important to keep in mind is a decade of data across the app stores shows that even the most well known brands will miss out on half of their growth story if they fail to optimize apps for non-branded keywords, right? Now, certainly I think uh, we, we, we found a, a, a large number of developers citing that they had good or great capabilities to monitor changes in app visibility and conversion rates across the app stores. In fact, it was 89% of developers said they had good or great capabilities um, marketers, it was two thirds of marketers um, that, that, that said they actually run uh, app store optimization experiences, experiments monthly um, with 27% doing it weekly. So by and large, there's, there's a good degree of the market uh, that are focused um, pretty heavily on app store optimization. But ironically, somewhat, we found that the largest companies are where developers and marketers cite the most room for improvement. 41% um, of marketers at enterprises experiment only quarterly or less frequently, and 20% of enterprise developers admit that they could do a better job. And that far outpaced uh, the, the percentages that we saw at companies of other sizes. Yeah, so it feels like the big corporations, big enterprises do believe that relying on their brand keywords is enough. And quite frankly, there's just letting money on the table, not taking the second part of the ASO, uh, like which which are the non-target, non-branded keywords and still traffic from people who will be benefiting, benefiting from their apps. 
So yeah, it's a matter of uh, uh, like, if you're actually capable of, you know, uh, looking abroad, like outside of your brand and uh, uh, remembering that people are looking for apps, not only when, you know, they you know, specific brand names come up in their minds, it's about function specific uh, action, specific task they're, they're dealing with. And so, yeah, that's uh, should not be left out. Yeah, I mean, and maybe the features and functionality of their apps, you know, the keywords related to those that they should be optimizing against. It could even be seasonal trends. Exactly. Um, we see a lot of change in the in the app stores, you know, even week to week. Right. Now, next up is a release cadence. Uh, so what are the drivers that define the pace of the mobile apps updates release? Yeah, it's really interesting. Um, you know, we we asked developers, you know, what what impacts your app release cadence most, right? Mm -hmm. And for companies of all sizes, they said major new features are are the factor that is driving their app release cadence most. Next up after that was bug fixes. It turns out that marketing and product team requests were were a distant third priority in terms of influencing that app release cadence. Um, you know, we also dove into this a little bit more deeply asking developers, you know, what, what are the factors that impact the predictability of that app release cadence, right? And QA testing was the single most important factor uh, overall. Um, and then I think, you know, speaking to why we've found enterprise companies sort of lagging in, in achieving more value uh, from their apps across the mobile app experience lifecycle, right? They, you know, internal approvals was the second biggest factor uh, for those companies in terms of, you know, impacting the speed with which they get their app releases out the door. Um, so there's, you know, obviously developers, you know, have a, a legitimate focus on what are the next market differentiating features that, you know, that our app is going to offer the audience. Um, and I think as we, as we, as we dive into onboarding, you know, it, it is, it's a bit in, it's a bit in opposition to how frequently marketers and product owners are really thinking about improvements to the app overall. Yeah, we're going to uh, tackle the question of working these two teams together in one of the next up uh, gaps, but here, yeah, it's kind of a logically um, um, realize that every new feature will make a difference, will stand out your app against your com competition, but you always have to be ready that new feature most likely will cause new bugs that will require extra time to fix those bugs. So there's always this trade-off. You either stick to the current features your app have and uh, being more more or less box-free, but in that case, you may be uh, lagging behind your competitors. When you're introducing new features, there's always it needs to be time for fixing, bug fixing. So it's a trade-off for every company, for every brand, and um, they should be um, really mindful about the capabilities of our developers team, what new features they can pull off uh, quickly, what requires more work, and uh, it's just a matter of choice 
what is yeah and you know with with every new feature it's a matter of getting your getting your users to understand the value that it's going to offer them how to use it right and both um, more than 90 percent of both developers and marketers agree that waiting to get these app enhancements to market is a significant impact on their business right so there's plenty of there's plenty of waiting involved um, and it and it really and it really goes down to the bottom line, um, the results that these companies are seeing in terms of how long that that takes. Exactly. Um, so onboarding is the next step, as we mentioned. So where do marketers stand when it comes to onboarding mobile app users? Yeah, well, I think one of the interesting things that we found is that. 96% of marketers said they rely on developers to improve app user experiences, right? And for enterprises, it's actually 98% of marketers that said they are reliant on developers and app updates to, to actually improve uh, the user experience, right? I think, you know, when marketers and mobile product owners think, think about onboarding and, and they think about it a lot, you know, it's the single greatest lever that they have to turn new downloads into engaged users and ultimately loyal customers. Oh, yeah. In fact, um, the survey found that 97% of marketers believe feature walkthroughs, permission soft prompts, these types of onboarding experiences have a significant impact um, on, on user behavior. In fact, uh, you know, nearly three quarters of marketers and mobile product owners are actually thinking about onboarding uh, enhancements each and every single week. And again, they're all relying on developers to make that happen. Um, so, you know, we we asked a couple of questions to developers just to get a sense of well, how long do these how long do these requests actually take to fulfill? And the majority cited multiple weeks um, to build and deploy everything from you know a multi-screen multi feature tutorial or opt-in flow. Um, and yet when we started to look at you know different sizes of companies, it was a third of enterprise developers said it actually takes a month or multiple months or that they don't even have these types of experiences. Got you. Uh, preference centers uh, is what you listed the, the next up on your seven gaps list. So what is your survey has to say in this respect? And namely, how much of an effort have developers put into creating preference centers in apps? I mean, just to say uh, upfront, preference center is one of the things like 99.999% of apps has. It's hard to imagine any app that it doesn't have. It's like, this is the way for any app users to kind of customize an app for her him to use like um it's impossible to think of an app that doesn't have a preference center so what does your report has to say about it yeah it's interesting um you know i think you know with the changes that we've seen from apple and google um and just general awareness of consumers around their data and their privacy right we know that consumers tend to engage more with brands that respect their privacy, satisfy their needs, you know, and are, and are deserving of their attention, right? Mm -hmm. And so I think when you think about preference centers today, a lot of it is, it is really focused on, you know, 
simple sort of app centric channels, right? Do you want push notifications for this or that? How frequently do you want them, right? Mm -hmm. When you think about apps, it's really the pinnacle of, of your customer relationship. You may have their email address, you may have their SMS address, and of course, you've got the apps. You've got a variety of different means to communicate with them. Um, and Airship just, just you know, as background, happens to offer a, a cross-channel preference center, you know, that business users can easily plug in and modify, you know, just like ASO, where you've got seasonal trends. You know, I imagine many retailers right now are trying to gear up for their holiday season and, and their promotions. You know, it's a great opportunity to get customers to pre-select the types of things they're interested in receiving during that critical shopping season, right? And so just like, um, just like onboarding flows, you know, again, the majority of developers said it takes multiple weeks to build a preference center, right? Mm -hmm. And again, just like onboarding flows, enterprise developers were much more likely, well, a third of them were more likely to say it took a month, it takes a month or multiple months, or again, that they don't have these experiences, right? And so I think, um, you know, when you start to look at it, right, we also asked how often do you update these preference centers? And just, just as you alluded that everybody has these, you know, 80% of marketers and developers said, hey, we update these preference centers, you know, uh, in the, we've, we've updated our preference center in the last year. Um, half actually said they updated them within the last six months. But again, we saw that company size didn't really correlate with the frequency of how often preference centers are updated. And nearly a quarter of enterprise marketers and developers were either not sure when they had last updated their preference center, or they said it had been one to two years or longer since they had updated their app's preference center. Clearly, you know, as companies and particularly enterprises where you've got large product portfolios, lots of new services launching, you know, having, having something that is one or two years stale, you know, simply does not satisfy either your business objectives or frank, quite frankly, why customers are coming to your app in the first place. Absolutely. So speaking of what customers want and what they, they think about the apps, uh, next up is customer surveys. Uh, so how often do marketers and developers measure the level of satisfaction with their apps? Uh, in your opinion, what is the optimal frequency? Because to my mind comes to kind of a, a diametrically opposite cases when I cannot remember from the top of my head, but I do remember apps that are kind of a, annoying with uh, asking me about, you know, going through a survey, uh, but way more often than I would expect. And at some point it, it becomes to just bugs you. Okay, guys, just come on, stop it. Or they may not bother at all to ask him for my opinion. So what would be the optimal frequency, weekly, daily, monthly, or it depends on the case? Yeah, it's an, it's an interesting question, right? And I, I kind of look at, at optimal frequency for surveys, sort of being like optimal frequency for push notifications. Both are a bit of a red herring, right? Mm -hmm. I, I think I think it, it it just goes back to this thinking of like campaign style thinking instead of moments based thinking, right? When are we going to launch our next survey? Well, 
That's not really the question. The question is, what is the particular individual doing with your app right now that would offer you the opportunity to ask? It could be a quick question. Um, it could be an NPS survey, right? Mm -hmm. There's a lot of different, you know, you, so I think, I think that also helps reduce the frustration that a user might experience if they're just every single month they get a survey, please please tell us about your experience with our app and, and oh, by the way, go rate it in the app store, right? So I, I, I really like to, to, to suggest that brands really think about surveys um, as, as a more dynamic behavioral triggered process where over time, you know, by issuing these as it makes sense based on what the user is doing, you're actually progressively developing a profile of that particular customer so that you know more about them um, and are and are better able to meet their needs. Now we did find that um, you know just over half of developers and 70% of marketers survey their app customers at least monthly. And again, that's both to measure their satisfaction as well as to collect zero party data. But for enterprises that drops from over half of developers to only 38% and from 70% of marketers to only 58% doing it on a monthly basis. Again, that makes no sense, right? They've got bigger audiences. Um, and, and in a lot of ways, you're seeing the, the, the like retail media networks are beginning to spring up from the likes of Walmart and Amazon. They've assembled such a massive collection of, uh, of an app audience, right? That they're opening up new business opportunities which in turn, right, if you understand more about them, may help, you, may help you sell more ads to businesses that want to reach them or help you as a marketer that better interact with them in just the ways that, that they want to. Yeah, exactly. It's, uh, sometimes it's hard to grasp, uh, like to wrap your head around the scale of Amazon today, like two trillion companies are really something remarkable. To think of uh, what what is the scale of their business um, now logically experience optimization is what follows so what are the dynamics between what app marketers needs to be done uh, what they see that needs to be done versus what actually get into the app as a result of the, the developers work yeah i think um I think just first off, right, there's a big gap between what marketers say they want and what actually makes it into the app, right? In fact, um, only 13% of marketers said all of their requests for enhancements get incorporated in, in, into their apps. Um, and, and, you know, that may be for a lot, of, a lot of reasons. Some of the requests might be nice to have, but not necessary uh, requests and, and, and things like that. But you know, I think one of the, one of the most striking things I saw in our data was that the majority of marketers are thinking about app improvements all of the time, right? 30% are thinking about um, enhancements to onboarding, activation, and customer understanding on a daily basis. And 41% are doing it on a, a weekly basis. Um, so they're, they're doing this all of the time. They're completely reliant on the developers to execute on those enhancements, right? And not all of those enhancements are gonna make the bar with the huge amount of priorities developers are juggling, right? With their focus on major new features, bug fixes, QA testing, right? 
I think the other surprising finding we ha came across was that marketers actually believe their requests to enhance app onboarding um, and feature adoption and opt-in and data collection happen faster than developers say they do, right? So again, they're completely reliant. They believe these requests are happening fast, but you know, twice, in fact, twice as many enterprise marketers as developers said those requests are implemented immediately while the developers were more than twice as likely to say those requests take a month or multiple months. So there's a big disconnect there, right? And I think, you know, finally, right, there's the, the you know, once a mobile app experience is deployed, there's a really big gap between how often that experience is assessed and improved, right? Nearly two thirds of respondents for example, assess and adapt a uh, multi-screen feature tutorial or opt-in flow at least monthly. Mm -hmm. um, however, more than a third only improve those critical onboarding experiences quarterly or less often. And that jumps to nearly half of enterprise companies. So just getting an experience out the door, you know, obviously it, it is, has never been enough, right? Mm -hmm. You have to understand how is it being used Right? Are there some are there some dropping off points within this experience that could be streamlined? You know, do I have the opportunity to drop in a um, you know a natural type of single button response survey question, for example, in my onboarding flow, you know, and get off to the races even quicker? So, you know, I think um, you know there's definitely a bit more of a reality check that marketers need to think about. Um, in terms of you know the volume of enhancements requests that, that that they're making and then and then you know ultimately you know how quickly are developers able to fulfill those requests and more importantly you know how can marketers become a bit more self-sufficient um, through new technologies no code approaches to take on some of this work themselves and leave developers you know, or at least give them a bit more time to focus on on the, um, you know, on the market differentiating features that that they're hired for, right? Exactly. It's, it's really important considering the shortage of app developers that that we see out in the market as well. Absolutely. Now, I think the final gap uh, is really uh, dovetails nicely to the previous one, which is team communications. Now. I used to be a part of a marketing team uh, in the developing company. And boy, do I remember the tensions between the both teams. And um, it always came down to that uh, marketers uh, knew and believed they knew uh, what needs to be done in the app to make it better for the app users. But Obviously, they didn't ha did not have an expertise as developers. They didn't know they were not in the position to assess how feasible, how doable those features are. And the developers were like the opposite. They knew exactly how long it's going to take. They may assess better, way better than marketers, but they don't have this you know communication with customers. They don't know how that or that this or that feature is actually in demand. So there's this disconnect two teams of people who should work together as one team, but they fundamentally think differently because you know, of their skills, why they're hired into the company. So 
Um, so what does your survey has to say in this respect, how good or bad things are right now? Yeah, and I think to some extent, right, I mean, given my early experience with the web, you saw the same sort of battles being waged, right, between marketers and, and IT. Um, you know, I think the good news is, you know, we found that, you know, a decade plus of apps and their growing importance for business results, you know, has really improved relationships across these diverse teams, right? I mean, these teams, you know, have different priorities, they speak different languages. Clearly, they have different views on on timelines um, and, and, and all of that. But um, I really think that they've they've come together, right? It, it takes a village to to have a, a, a successful app, right? Both technical and non-technical roles. Um, and, and, you know, how well they work together is really critical to, you know, closing the gap between sort of so-so performance and, and really excellent performance, right? Mm -hmm. And so we saw that uh, half of developers, 51%, said they actually work really well with marketing and mobile product owners. And then another 37% said marketing is decent partners, right? Marketers were even more optimistic and said 62% said they work really well with developers um, and 29% said they were, they were decent partners. Um, only 12% of the overall uh, respondents, uh, actually it was 12% of developers and 9% of marketers characterized their relationships as contentious discussions, right? Um, and that skewed a bit higher at the smallest uh, uh, SMB companies, as well as the largest uh, enterprise companies. However, not a single respondent chose the two most negative characterizations that we had offered, which was difficult and uncooperative, right? So I really think that that is a very positive sign um, for the future of things to come, that even though they've got different priorities um, and, 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 and different expectations, that, that, that the working relationship they have with each other is, is seen as positive. Yeah, I think that the um, kind of a natural selection of the market helps uh, the teams who are in the top, who are successful, one of the requirements why they are in that position because both teams work together as one team better than the apps that we cannot see on the top because they're, they're kind of a, a, you know being left behind because that miscommunication between the teams where it was and continuing to drag them down from the top. Yeah, that's a, that's a really good point. I think I saw, I believe it was data AI, some of their data that said cumulatively, um, since apps came into being, over 21 million of them have been launched in the app stores, right? And I think today, what, it's a quarter of that that exists, right? Mm -hmm. So if, if your marketing and developer teams are not getting along, <laughs> yeah. I think it spells, you know, spells disaster for the longevity of that particular app. Exactly. Okay, we've covered the report, uh, the topic on the table. Uh, but there's a second part of the show where I get a chance to ask every guest on the show just a few quick questions. I do want my audience to know the people who come to the show as guests a little bit better. Here they are, quick questions. So what smartphone do you have now? 
Have you been switching between iOS and Android or just staying one line all the time? Yeah, I have a I have an iPhone XR right now, but I think my battery battery life suggests I need to upgrade. Um, uh, er, back in the early days, for a period of about two months, I I had an Android phone, but I I dropped it once, and that was the end of that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, see, it's really nice timing. September seventh, we're expecting Apple to deliver something nice, precisely iOS fourteen. As people are talking about uh, on this uh, um, September, so what was your first mobile phone? You know, honestly, I I can't quite remember. I'm a bit of an old timer, but I do remember one of the early phones I had. It was <clears throat> for some reason the most memorable. It was a Motorola Razor, the kind of flip phone, right? And I think you know, I don't know the new Samsung foldable phones, foldable displays. Um, those look. Those look pretty interesting, right? I don't know if it'd be enough to get me to to jump Apple's ship, though. Yeah, it's hard to say. Um, now, imagine you've left your smartphone at home and you go out. What would be the most missing feature for you? I think I'd turn around and go get it, Art. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I would feel out of the loop for everything when I'm on the go, right? From literally what time is it? to what meetings do I have, to not being available via a variety of different apps um, for my family, friends, or colleagues. And so, yeah, I, I could leave home without my wallet easily. I, could, I, would, I would turn around and go get my phone <laughs> if I left it. <laughs> so I see, no, no, not a single but a bunch of apps. Your life is rely on. Now, um, when you're looking at your iPhone, um, Probably not your like the, uh, the smartphone that is sitting on your tabletop, but uh, in general, iPhone today. Uh, what new features you would like to have in this thing? Uh, could be software, hardware, both. Uh, what is uh, what is missing for you? Like not specifically any fancy, trendy stuff, but what would you like this thing to be able to do? Yeah, you know, I think I think a lot of it for me comes down to the various levels of support different companies and brands and apps offer. Um, I I really am a fan of augmented reality, right? Just with the, for me, it really kind of is is a distinct feature built around sort of melding digital and physical environments together. Um, I think connected to that you know, brands that have really sort of nailed data integration across their enterprise, you know, for everything from real-time inventory to wayfinding in a store to curbside pickup that's streamlined or even checkout list stores. Mm -hmm. Me, those are things that really simplify my life and, um, you know, make it much easier to do to do business with a brand. And in fact, I will I will do, I will be more likely to do business with a brand that offers these type of cap capabilities because it's going to save me time and and offer me more value. Gotcha, Corey. All right. Before I let you go, just a very final question. Uh, how can people get in touch with you and get more information about what you do? Yeah, connect with me on LinkedIn. I'm I'm uh, just Corey Galt at on LinkedIn, and um, be, I'd be happy to have uh, a number of conversations. I'm continually looking for folks in 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 the mobile space um, 
for a variety of different opportunities uh, kind of on the, on the PR side of things, um, whether that's, you know, partnering with us for speaking uh, at, at major events or um, even just sharing their stories that, that I might be able to help amplify. Terrific. Corey, thank you so much for coming on the show and being with us. Thank you. Thank you, Art. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. And that was Corey Gold, Senior Director of Corporate Communications at Airship. To listen to more episodes, subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcast. Just search for Business of Apps and you will find us easily. We're list episodes on Mondays, so subscribe and you'll be able to get new episodes on your smartphone, tablet, or computer as soon as we release them. And please don't forget to leave us a review or comment on iTunes. It is highly appreciated. And all episodes will also be available on businessapps.com. Thank you for listening. See you next week. Thank you for listening to the Business of Apps podcast. For more, head on over to businessofapps.com.